This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Shalom and welcome to Practical Spirituality here in the Asia Torah, the old city of Jerusalem, overlooking the Temple Mount. Today we are discussing how to like people you don't like, including yourself. So, the so first of all, first of all, I mean, this is really a big topic, but let's just start with the words of the Torah. The Torah says, love your neighbor as yourself. You have to love the other person as yourself. And it includes people you don't like. So how are you supposed to like people that you don't like? And the other thing is, it's kind of a deep statement, love your neighbor as yourself means, could it be what it's really saying is, is as much as you love yourself, love your neighbor. Or could it be saying, only in as much as you love yourself would you even have the capacity to love your neighbor? Now, I believe in that last statement. Only as much as you love yourself can you love your neighbor. This is going to be kind of a hard thing to say, but I'm going to say it anyway, is that you don't love anybody. Your whole relationship to everybody in, the, in your world, and again, I'm being accusational just to freak you out, but the only people that you that you think you love are actually the people you're using to feel better about yourself. Everyone in your life serves a certain purpose. This sibling you use for that. This sibling you use for that. You notice you'll call this parent when things are going that way, and you'll call this parent when things are going another way. You have yourself totally tapped with, meaning you don't love yourself, so you can't love your neighbor, but what you can do is use everybody as little band-aids to... to, um, you know, to cover your bases of, of meaning band-aids for all the little open wounds everywhere. You can uh, use people for that. In other words, until you love yourself, you're doing fine. There's a spot right there waiting for you. Until you love yourself, ladies, until you love yourself, you, until you love yourself, you love nobody. You love nobody. What's that? Disagree? Yeah. Excellent. Now we've got a class. She disagrees. I just think that you could love other people. Normally, in our class, when we have a disagreement, we have to bring the proof why we disagree. It was very sweet, your disagreement. And I'm totally about it. Like, I'm all about your disagreement. You just got to explain. I explain my part. You have to explain your part. Okay, forget it. When, when you come up with your explanation, you'll, you'll give it, okay? So... Um, by the way, when I'm saying it, I don't mean you don't love them. Really, I don't mean you don't love them at all. You do love them. I mean, obviously, if that person died, God forbid, you'd be, like, crushed and heartbroken and, like, all this stuff because you do love them. I'm not saying you don't love them at all. I'm just saying you use them. You use them for, your, for yourself. But here's the amazing thing, is that when you love yourself totally, when you, like, really love yourself, which I call full integrity... See, a lot of you people think that integrity has to do with, you know, not stealing or maybe eating kosher. But you know what real integrity is? Real integrity is living with how awesome you are. God made you awesome. Do you live with that? Are you in full integrity with how amazing you are? Gentlemen, let's ditch the technology. You guys are a little bit, uh, what's the word? Distracted. Yeah, but it's distracting me too. <laughs> I also want to, I got a phone buzzing away right here, or right there, but I, I put on Do Not Disturb. The, the, uh, 
the the integ- the ultimate integrity is to treat yourself as awesome as you are. That's the ultimate integrity. Treat yourself as awesome as you are. If you lived with how awesome you were, like if you're really clear with that, you'd love everybody. You'd become like a sea of love. You'd be like a magnet of loving relationships in your life. The more you love yourself, the more not only do you love, but people love you. And the less you love yourself, the more you're dangerous for others. People just don't feel safe around you. So how do you love yourself and how do you love others? So there's one of the ways to love yourself is to give yourself the benefit of the doubt that how you are right now in your current form is the result of, of thousands and thousands of micro causes, thousands, like there's macro causes, like the house you're born, the community you're born, the parents you're born to, the sibling order, all those are macro causes for who you are and who you've become. And then you have all the micro stuff, which is like thousands of things, little choices here, there and everywhere, all kinds of stuff. I mean, there's just so many variables in a person's life. And they've all led to an equal sign. And on the other side of that equal sign is you sitting in your seat right now. You sitting in your seat with the clothes you're wearing, with the hairstyle you got, with the, the, uh, the, your, how you're spending your days, how you're making your living or not making a living. Everything you're doing is all on the other side of that equal sign right now. And for sure, you've done your best. For sure, you've done your best. To get to where you are right now, you've done your best. Now, you might tell me, well, I could have done better. Okay, and then if you were sitting here having done better, I would say you did your best. So even when you could have done better, you didn't. <laughs> so you did what you did. You didn't necessarily do better. Well, you definitely did not do better. I Meaning if you could have done better, well, you didn't. And now you're sitting there. And so you have to accept that, that that's where you're at 100%. Accepting yourself for where you're at doesn't mean you're not growing. It doesn't mean you don't have bigger goals. But to have bigger goals without accepting yourself where you're at is a perfect recipe to not love yourself. You mean like not recognizing how far you made it? Not recognizing that also, and also where you're at now. Like wherever you are at is exactly where you are. Are you exactly who you are right now? Are you on there now? Are you on there? Sure. <laughs> are you exactly who you are right now? I don't know who I am, but I think so. Whoever you are, without even defining it or knowing who you are, are you exactly who you are right now? Yeah. And are you exactly not who you're not right now? <laughs> Rabbi, I think you're tripping around. Are you exactly not who you're exactly not? True. Yeah, okay. So you, you're exactly who you are at this point in your life, and you're exactly not who you're exactly not at this point in your life. You must accept that. Everyone right now, give yourselves a group hug, okay? Everyone, give yourself a hug. I'm not going to stop until everybody... Oh, you're giving each other a hug. Okay, everyone, give yourself a hug.
No, no, yourself. Yourself a hug. Everyone give yourself a hug on three. You're not on film. One, two, three. And go like this. And say, great job. Great job. Because who you are, because you are exactly who you are, and you're exactly not exactly who you're not. But exactly. Exactly. You get that? You ever thought about that before? I mean, it's like to the decimal point. To the, to the decimal point, you are not who you have not become. <laughs> and you are who you have become to the decimal point. Like, exact. It's amazing the accuracy that you have pulled. Oh. That's, I think we say Kaddish now when a, when a cell phone explodes like that. One, one more second. I'll t- I know you have a question. I'll take it in a minute. You, uh, but do you realize how exact it is? It's crazy. Like, how could you be so exactly who you are and exactly who you're not? Like, to the fractions. And that's exactly it. And so for you not to accept that would be like not accepting gravity or, or not accepting that we have a moon or not accepting that, you know, that the sun rises every day and the sun sets every evening. Like, these are facts. And fighting facts is never good. You don't want to fight facts. I still care about your feelings. You don't want to fight facts. Fighting facts is is not going to be a good way of, of, uh, you know, navigating life. And and that's really, really important for all of us is to just, just get that. I'll I'll give you an example. I was, I was, um, I was in a group of men. This is before I learned this lesson. Many, many years ago, I was in a group of men who were really into growth, which means we're not exactly satisfied where we're at. And we're not really being accepting of where we're at. We weren't giving ourselves hugs. You know, we weren't going like this all day. You know, like we were like tough guys who are like serious growth people. You know, I was the youngest of the group and everyone were like big rabbis. Most of them were heads of kolils and stuff. And I was invited into the group because I run my seminars and they thought I would be a good contribution to it. So I'm in this group. And what happened was, one, it was ten men, and one particular day, we only had nine. And, we, and the sun was setting, and we needed to get a tenth man. We couldn't find a tenth man. I mean, there were a lot of men walking around, but they were, like, body-pierced, and, you know, and, like, there were a couple of hipsters. I mean, they at least had beards, you know, but, you know, but also, like, tattoos and stuff. And, like, we just weren't getting anywhere trying to get this tenth man, and now the sun's really setting. And so we finally just said, we're going to have to convince one of these secular guys to come to the minion. No, women wouldn't have worked. So, <laughs> so anyway, so we finally found this, this you know, body-pierced hipster and, uh, who agreed to be in our minion. And so he was Israeli, so he could at least read along. And, and uh, we go into, there's a couple seats right here, ladies. So we go into the the. Really out of it. Oh, three ladies. Oh, perfect. Here's three seats. Can't believe I just like knocked over my own cable. So, yeah, just come all the way to this one, please. So, anyway. I was just telling a story that I, we, we had nine 
uh, men who are all like Roche Kolils and like heavy dudes and Musarvad that we had created amongst rabbis. And, and we needed a 10th man. And the 10th man turned out to be, we couldn't find anyone. So it was a body pierced, tattooed hipster who had never prayed in his life. And he likely maybe didn't even believe in God if he was intellectual, because usually, you know, countercultural people who are, have IQs don't believe in God. So, and now I have no, I didn't check his IQ. I just asked him if he wouldn't mind wearing a kippah for the next 15 minutes just to answer, just to answer Kaddish. What's that? Why is it that a person has a higher IQ they don't believe in God? Oh, just because they, if you're not going to believe in God, so now you're a little bit stuck for feeling good about yourself, uh, morally, you know, about your behavior. Because the, the, um, when you're on that kind of left, left side of the spectrum, you know, the more liberal side of the spectrum. So it's very uh, to- allowing and tolerant of all kinds of stuff that's way off the spectrum of the more conservative traditional spectrum. And so if your sense is that, if your sense is that, there, what if there's a God and this is all wrong? So it, I'd, if I got a pretty high IQ, I'm going to kind of find my way to the intellectuals that are on the non-God side so that I can feel a little better about myself. Like I call the dark web... Uh, I call the dark web uh, intellectuals like uh, Sam Harris, for example. I call them the high priests of the secular world. Because <laughs> you can't live with yourself if you're secular. You need, you need to have some intellectual who says there's no God and proves it however he wants to prove it, which is always Christian theology they're disproving. They never, they'll never be able to prove you know, Jewish theology. But it's okay. 99% of Westerners are Christian anyway in their meaning of the religious ones are Christian and their theology is easy to disprove. So disprove it. And then you don't have to believe in God. And then you don't feel guilty for your, you know, liberal leaning lifestyle, which is, again, it's very tolerant and very allowing of, of all kinds of uh, things that are, not, that are off the spectrum of uh, traditional lifestyles. And whereas someone with a lower IQ doesn't care that much, you know, they're just like, well, I don't believe in God anyway. So, but they, but they're not going to, they're not going to go that more like intellectual atheistic path. They're just, they're they, go- they say, I never thought about it. when you meet them and you say, like, well, what about God? They're like, well, I never thought about it. You know, they'll be like that. You know, they, they're not the people who are going to give you a, a very solid argument. By the way, the ones with the very solid argument are disproving Christian theology. How old do you have to be to do that? You don't even need a high school diploma to disprove Christian theology. You know, I mean, I mean, I don't know if you guys know this, but Christian theology, meaning Western theology, including Eastern theology, is basically God's job was to answer all the mysteries of life. We knew nothing about the world. We didn't understand gravity. We didn't understand the solar system. We didn't understand, we understand nothing. And meaning this is way before scientific method, methodologies and, and inquiry. And, and no one understood anything, so they just put God there. But the second that the world started understanding these things, they were like, okay, so we'll take God out. What do we need God for? We understand the world. But Jewish theology had nothing to do with that. Jewish theology comes from prophecy at Sinai. And so it had just never even occurred to us that God was supposed to answer questions. We actually like science. We think the more you understand of science, the more you understand the, the, the complexity and the, the efficacy and the uh, precision of the creator. And for us, the more science we know, the more we get blown out, by, like blown away by God. We love science in Judaism. And not only that, Judaism set up to go with the science. Meaning, let's say we have a halacha that is based on science that we understood. 
that the rabbis understood thousands of years ago, and they understood quite a bit. The, uh, and then we find out later that, that the science today has disproven it by a couple of millimeters or whatever. Uh, let's say tefillin, for example. Tefillin, the boxes have to be perfectly uh, square. And, but perfectly square hundreds of years ago and perfectly square today are just different squares because we have abilities to measure with instrumentation that can get you down to like really fine decimal points. And, the, uh, and so the answer is, is to, that you must have that today. If you're going to make a pair of tefillin and you have your great-grandfather's tefillin, you must make a new pair of tefillin. I mean, okay, you can't afford it. Maybe you have to borrow but and maybe you can use your great grandfather's to fill in. I mean, I'm not the rabbi to ask, but but certainly once you can afford it, you must buy a new pair to fill in to get that perfect square, because the science today can get that perfect square. So we go with the science. We we we're happy about the science, and that's what's that? Judaism doesn't contradict. If if the science contradicts the the way we expressed our halachas, we will go with the science rather than our halachas. The new halacha is the science. Yeah, we go with the science. We love science. We're crazy about science. And the, uh, we're as the... Okay, that's enough. We're on a different subject. And so check this out. You ready for this? The, the guy, we put a keep on his head, and we hand him a prayer book, and we start our mincha. Now, part of mincha is a silent meditate. We checked, and he was Israeli. This is in Israel. We checked. <laughs> we happen to have one of those, uh, one of these uh, machines where you put your hand up in the shul, and the thing goes like, vroom, vroom, you know, and we're like, he's Jewish. So, anyway, um, long story short, we get to the silent prayer. Now, we had no idea he was planning on doing the silent prayer. We just need him to answer on me. And he gets in his silent prayer. And we had already finished everything. We were on our way out of the building. He was still in his silent prayer. And the guy's like, like, he's just so there. It was amazing. Like, we, we were an embarrassment compared to this guy. You know, it was, I mean, this guy, like, he was crying. He was, he was having this mystical experience. You know, the whole time, I mean, for all we know, he was on psychedelics or something. But, but the guy was having a full mystical experience. And we were like, we, were, we looked like businessmen on Wall Street the way we prayed compared to this guy. And, and we finally just left and left him there. We just left him there in this little shul. We didn't have to lock up, so we just left him there. He could still be there today. And, and so, but what we all learned later when we met the following week was this amazing lesson is that he's where he is. We're these Jews who like constantly push ourselves to grow, but we forget to experience to we forget to accept ourselves where we're at so that we're never really there it's almost like like when i made a bracha on this water which you probably weren't paying attention i was doing while someone was asking a question but when i made my bracha on my water i was it would be almost like this is the bracha i'm making for now because i know there's a much bigger bracha i'll be able to make one day when i really understand what a bracha is it's not like that. No. Where I understand of a bracha and what I understand of God and what I understand of why we make brachas and all that, that is exactly what it is and it is exactly not. Say not. Where you're not. And it is exa- where I made that bracha with my understanding of God 
And my understanding of brachas exactly is exactly the bracha that I'm making now, and it's exactly not the bracha that I'm exactly not making now, okay? Because I'm not there yet to make a bracha from the place I'll be one day. But how many of us are, how many of us are just not where we're at? Because we were taught, well, it's not okay where you're at. You're not okay where you're at now. So anyone who's, anyone who's been feeling they're not okay where they're at now, anyone who fe- has been taught that you're not okay where you're at now, because you're also from the heavy growth people, which I'm from, and my kids are from and stuff, if you've been playing this game, you're in danger of missing your life because everything's on hold until you get somewhere. And therefore, you're not really where you're at. So you're in the past and the future, but not the present? Not so much in the past. You're more in the future. You're more in the future and not in the present. And, and therefore, the true person who's growing, the true person who's growing is who, he's, is, or who she is right now, but striving to get to that next level. See, all of us are afraid to accept us as where we're at, cause, cause then, but we're not where we're supposed to be. And so we wind up not accepting ourselves where we're at. And so... <laughs> I keep wanting to talk to you. So we have to be where we're at. we got to be where we're at. And we can grow and make plans to grow and fulfill those plans. But I'm telling you, my life changed the second I started hugging myself where I'm at. Now, of course, I don't hug myself very often, but that was cute. You missed it. We all hugged ourselves. So for those who came late, you missed the, the hug yourself moment. But... <laughs> but you, you, it's amazing to do that. And you know, it leads to other things too. Like, for example, what about the emotions in the moment? Should we experience our emotions in the moment? And the answer is, yeah. Yeah, if you want to feel pain. Sorry, if you want to feel pleasure, you got to feel pain. Well, what if you push down the pain that maybe I'll feel happy later and then I won't have to deal with my pain now? No, right now it's pain. Embrace that. Be where you're at. Be where you're at. So this is the beginning of loving ourselves. Our title of today is, How do you love people you don't like? How do you like people you don't like, including yourself? So the, the first thing in, in the path to liking yourself is acceptance of exactly where you're at. The next step in liking yourself, should we list them? So step one is be where you're at. Now they're probably out of order, but the next one is to know that God. Should I put in the negative or the positive? The negative is God doesn't create trash. Um Anyone seen an eraser around here? I got. How about like this? We'll call it. Um, yeah, man. Oh, thank you. You can throw it. I like throwing. It's all right. If you can touch it, you can catch it. That's what my father always said in football. Um, you were. 
you're godly, meaning you have a soul. So you're godly. And we spoke a bit about that earlier, is having the integrity of how awesome you are. I mean, you're, you got a soul, so you're obviously amazing. So that's the second step in loving yourself. It's really the first, but we're calling it the second. Is that, you know, you have a soul, which is, you know, amazing. I mean, you're, you're godly. And then you're saying everyone's amazing. That's right. It's not true. It's not true. Oh, really? This is Miss uh, Know-It-All. Yeah. <laughs> you want to explain that one, or it's another just statement in the air? You know, like, you throw another so little statement in the air? Amazing. What? How, how can you say that everyone's amazing because they have a soul? Yeah, you said Hitler. Yeah, we have a great saying. You know what the saying is? Is that, is that you only... Um, oh, gosh. Someone help me with English here. You only... Your issues with people are your issues with people. Okay? Your ish- oh, that came out pretty good. Your issues with people are your issues with people. Meaning, meaning you're putting your issues with them. You're just... You're, you're, you see your issues in them, yeah. Like if you see someone being selfish, what, you're not selfish? <laughs> and so it bothers you to see someone being selfish. You know, and you see someone like throw a piece of garbage and misses the garbage and they just keep going, even though they saw it miss the garbage. And they, and you, you've never done that. You know, you, you're not lazy. <laughs> you're also lazy. And so here you see someone else being lazy. Oh, you notice that. And, you, and other issues that you don't have, you'll notice you just overlook. You don't even notice them in other people. It's only your issues that you really see in other people. So it's true... N- it's true, not everyone's amazing, but they're only not amazing because you're not amazing. You're not, you don't recognize how amazing you are. But we can't say that there are no evil people in the world. Evil, ev- there are evil people. There are people that are evil, which is, you got to be very careful saying that around millennials. So I'm even reluctant to bring that up right now, that there's such a thing as evil people. Um, there, in Judaism, in Judaism there are, it is clear from our tradition that there's such a thing as evil people. And... But it's something that is an extremely sensitive topic around um, in our liberal environment that we're living in, the university, media, government, liberal style, is uh, that really freaks people out. Because you're not allowed to say anyone's anything. You know, you're not even allowed to say someone's a boy or a girl. So, so, uh, so evil is like really, really out there. It's interesting, for, uh, for example, Amalek, who's a nation... Like, you know, the same people who hate that we're chosen probably hate the fact that there's, you know, there's this holy nation called the nation of Israel. The, you know, the, the, the children of Israel are like the, the chosen or the, the Am Kadosh, the holy nation. So there's a polar opposite nation called, called the Amalek, which is like the arch evil nation that's out to destroy the Jewish people. So that itself freaks people out. And they, they have a sign. You, you know what the sign is for Amalek? They actually have three signs. One sign is that they're against, uh, they're against moral conscience. They're against moral conscience. Um, it all has to do with like, like there's no God, so that means everything's coincidence, and there's no real moral conscience. And they're, they're, Amalek's out to like eradicate conscience from this world. Hitler himself said this, yeah, to get rid of conscience. And so that's one sign, conscience. And then, uh, and then the other thing that they're against is, is bris milah, 
And the last thing is they're against the, uh, the Jews in Israel. Jews settling the land of Israel or, or uh, being redeemed with Israel. They're like, they'll, they'll, they stand up big time. These are the three signs of Amalek. Okay. For those who are secular, to remember the name Amalek is, uh, I guess the best is, uh, I don't know, imagine some hippie who's like, feels one with the universe and he's standing in front of a lake. So, anyway, so Amalek is, um, okay, so he's against conscience, against Brit Mila, and the Jews' connection to Israel. But the funny thing about this is this is the average campus student today in universities. Think about it. It's like everything, everything's random. There's no such thing as conscience. You can be and do whatever you want to be and do. And like no one's allowed to say otherwise or it's like who knows what. It's not good. And the other thing is Mila is like mutilation. I made the grave error of announcing my, my grandson's uh, Briss, his <laughs> circumcision on Facebook. You know, it's just letting everyone know. I'm so excited. Tomorrow's the Briss Mila, my first, you know, my first grandson. And uh, I got back like 50 emails saying it's not too late to stop them. You know, like people were like, people were like, like, and they were like sincere. They were like, they're like, you can still prevent this, Rabbi. You know, and I'm just like, what? <laughs> They're like, until it's done, it's not too late. And I'm like, too late, you know, uh, we want it done sooner, not later. Like, we want to, we want to get this brismila done. You know, it's a commandment in the Torah. And, uh, and then the Jews in Israel, you got like the whole BDS movement, which is like, you know, they're, like they're really pinpointing the Jews in Israel. You know, they, it's not politically correct to talk about the Jews out of Israel. So we'll talk about the Jews in Israel. And, you know, Jewish uh, redemption and, and redeeming their lands, the Ju- Judean hills, you know. They're not called the Judean hills for nothing, you know. Judean hills, okay, that's, that's everything north of here, you know, north of Jerusalem in the hills. And then you got the Shomron, which, sorry, Judean hills are south of here. And then everything north of here is the Judean hills, okay, and Judah and Shomron, or, or they call it, Judah and Samaria, these are these are the classic biblical lands. Like these, are, these are tribal. This is part of our ancestral tribal lands here, and they're like no one, no one should be interested whatsoever in doing anything but restoring an ancient people to their ancient lands. Uh, what about the Arab issue? Okay, you got to deal with the Arab issue, but but just to go strictly against the Jews is is one of the signs of Amalek. But you can't say that every university student's Amalek. <laughs> Especially half of them are probably Jewish, you know, because secular Jews love championing, championing these causes, you know, they, these kinds of things. So, whatever. Um, let's get back to loving ourselves. What's the, what's the third point? Yeah, we're, that's where we're at. That's where we're at. Um, so the next thing in, in loving ourselves is... Is to know, um, or let's say, be be vigilant regarding um, what makes you 
Vigilant about what makes you happy. I know people who, there's things that make them happy, and when I met them, they were doing them all the time, and then I'll meet them later, you know, now that they're in their 40s, their 50s, and I'm saying, I'll ask them, like, how's whatever it is going? How's basketball going? Or how's bike riding going? Or how's, you know, whatever their hobby was. How's it going? They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I haven't been, haven't been there in a while. Yeah. I mean, what do you mean? Like, when was the last time you biked? And it's like, well, it's probably been about eight years. Eight years. So people will let go of things they love doing. And and now it's one thing if you grew out of it, but it's another thing if you kind of let, let life get serious on you and you stopped, you know, taking that time to just take care of yourself. So there's certain things that you want to figure out that you really love and make sure you do them regularly, regularly. Like, um, I mean, I, I might are a little embarrassing, the things I love to do besides my sports, but like I'm really very regimented with my sports. I'm regimented with yoga. I, there's no day, there's no day where there's no yoga. You know, that's not an option. That's just a non, you know, that's a non-negotiable um, my, I'm very into mountain biking. I go out to the wilderness to mountain bike. You know, I, I know I'm supposed to be happy that it rained today, but I was looking forward to the mud of last week drying out. We were getting close. Saturday afternoon was dry. Sunday was dry. Monday was dry. We were almost there. You need about two and a half days, but they have to be Sundays, and we haven't had barely Sundays. So partly cloudy days, you need three solid days of dry. Then you can go back to the trails. Boom, rained. Yeah, so like, I'm happy it's raining because we need the water, but not that happy because I want to go mountain biking. And, uh, and, uh, but the nice thing about the rain is it kicks up the waves and go surfing. And these are non-negotiables. These are things that happen no matter what. Um, the other thing is I like hot stuff. So sauna, definitely getting saunas. Um, hot baths with light music, lavender oil, and, um, and candlelight, candlelight. And raise your hand if you've done that in the last week, you know, and done that last week. Yeah, good for you. This is my kind of guy, this guy. Yeah. So anyway, but the, these are part of the non-negotiables. Uh, stretching. Every day I'm stretching. For sure stretching every day. Meditation, can't skip that. I mean, you skip meditation, man. Oh, you know your life's gonna just go by you without you noticing. You know, and when I say meditation, obviously Judaism's deep into meditation. Every bracha, every tefillah, every prayer is meditation. Now, do you get to pray every time? No, but at least meaning do you get to meditate each time? No, but at least if you're gonna do three prayer sessions, make sure one of them was meditative. One of them, at least, you were doing deep breathing, you were clearing your mind, you were, you were getting yourself focused, mental discipline, you were getting your heart opened. You know, like, at least one of the three, one-third of your prayer should be in from a meditative place. Anyway, but that's the idea, is to get vigilant regarding what makes you happy. And it's not just happy, it's really uh, what brings you well-being. That'll help you. That'll help you like yourself that will that will definitely help help you like yourself now regarding liking others is um 
is number one is it's the same as this one, but it, we'll just call it being accepting. You just need a proper working definition for acceptance, and that's simply uh, that would be you. Okay, that would have been you. So that's the first step is to to love to like other people as that would have been you. Another thing is to sponsor them. Everyone wants to see the things they invest in to succeed. So if you don't like somebody, help them out in some way. If you can help them out monetarily, if you can help them out with advice, if you can help them out with just like somehow swoop in and help that person. We like to see our the things we put into, we like to see them succeed. So if someone's really on your nerves, go be there for them in some way or another, and you'll you'll suddenly like go onto their side. Uh, the next is to um, see the innocence. I don't know how to spell innocence. How do they do? Two ends. Innocence. See the innocence. Okay. And what does it mean? Is it the right way to spell it? Is there any is there any S in there at all? No. Nobody knows how to spell innocence. Maybe there's like a different word you could use. Just so we can spell it right? Is that how you spell it? Okay, and the, the next is to see the innocence. Uh, meaning, uh, whatever bothers you about someone, I mean, it has to do with acceptance, but whatever bothers you about someone, if you could see what how they got there to be that on-your-nerves type of person, you'd, you'd have so much mercy for them. We once had a guy who was coming to this class every day who everybody hated. He was so rough. He was so disruptive. He was like almost in fistfights every day. The rabbis were going out of their minds with this guy. I personally was also going out of my mind with this guy. Everyone was going out of his mind with this guy. And we were just like waiting for his, either his student visa to end or his, his return flight to like come. Like, just get this guy out of here. You know, he was making everyone crazy. He was really rough. Anyway, one day, I don't know what happened, but I guess I was teaching a class. And, and we were talking about, it was a bit more of a therapeutic class. And this guy raises his hand and tells everyone his life story. And everyone was crying as he told the story. And he didn't even get to like seven years old yet. And we were all crying. And he wasn't crying because he was such a hardened individual. But by, by seven years old, we were all crying. And it just got went from bad to worse. And then worse to worse to worse. This guy instantly was everyone's best friend. Like everyone loved this guy. For the rest of the time he spent in Israel, we were really, really in love with this guy. And he would raise his hand and be obnoxious and whatever. And we'd all just be like... We love you. We love him. You know, we just loved him. Because we, we understood where this was coming from. And suddenly we all like got, went blind to his gruffness. And we, we just had all the compassion and patience in the world for his way of being. Shalom, everybody. Have a beautiful day. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.